the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for listening in. Our Heavenly Father provides a model prayer to guide us so that our praise of Him and our requests leave no stones unturned. His model graciously includes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If we apply the principles of our Savior's model prayer, there is hope for us, for God will supply all our needs, including the strength to resist temptation in our thoughts, words, and deeds. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. Uh, We are in part three of a series, Winning the Battle Over Temptation. And Lord willing, we will conclude the message today. If you have your Bibles, turn once again to uh, the uh, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. It's been our theme text uh, as we've been preaching. Scripture says in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire Uh, has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Once again, part three, winning the battle over temptation. Here at Maranatha, the theme of this year is moral purity. Say moral purity. Matter of fact, that's a word that's seldom said these days, but is most needed in the times in which we live. We cannot be chaste. We cannot be holy. We cannot be pure. Uh, we cannot do, be any of these things apart from winning the battle over temptation because temptation is designed to strip of us of our holiness. It is to uh, make a holy vessel dishonorable, for, dishonorable before God. We've all been tempted in the past, we've been tempted in the present, and we shall be tempted in our future. Satan is our enemy and desires to strip us of our holiness. He hates you, he hates everything about you. He hates your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. He hates anything that has to do with God. And he hates God's children because the issue is really God himself. And since we are God's children on earth, children of light, children of darkness hate children of light. So therefore, Satan fights us some fiercely and some and very relentless against us, the children of God. And so with that being said, the sin is not in the temptation itself. We we sin when we yield to temptation. 
That's why being proactive and taking protective measures is critical as it relates to winning the battle over temptation. You know, verse one, we said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Those people who endure temptation, saints who withstand, resist and, and denounce those kinds of things and, and, and uh, will be blessed and receive a crown of life. God rewards those who withstand temptation. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God because in God is no no evil. He is absolutely holy. And uh, we have a tendency of shifting the blame instead of dealing with the issue of ourselves. Verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Uh, it is the flesh that uh, the, the appetites of the flesh that desires to be fed and and to be drawn away in lust and all of these kinds of things. Verse 15 says, but then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. The battle starts in your mind. Satan plants the thought. And if you don't deal with that thought instantly and kick it out in the name of Jesus, it, it conceives, it germinates, it catches root. Then it gives birth to sin. And then when you live a lifestyle of sin, death is the end result, separation from God. What is temptation? Temptation from the enemy is for the purpose of causing one to fall and to become entangled in sin. Satan tempts each of us because he wants to mess us up. He, he, he wants to mess us up and he, do, he does it through temptation. Satan knows what you like and don't like and he'll use the very things you like to get you off course, to deter you, to distract you, to break relationship with God. You see, it is temptation is the act of enticement to do evil through flattery and seduction, to lead one astray, to defile and ultimately to destroy us. My friend, as long as there is a devil, as long as we're in this world and live in this unredeemed flesh that has within it the propensity to sin, we will be tempted till the day of our death. As a matter of fact, Satan's going to be after you till the day of your death. And because that's just his nature, he wants to wipe us all out. Then we gave some protective measures that I not repeat, uh, except for just a very few to get us going with today's message. We left off last time with the issue of carnality. In other words, we said uh, last time, number one, you need to realize the more carnal you are, the greater the propensity of yielding to temptation. And you, if you ask what is carnality, uh, it is to live according to fleshly lust. It is carnality is gratifying the flesh. It, it is to be worldly, worldly minded, and it will hinder you from resisting temptation. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring our fleshly appetites and desires under his control. Your flesh, my flesh is greedy. Once indulged, it will always want more and more and more. And the more carnal you are, the more worldly you are, the more you yield to the appetites of the flesh, the less victories you'll have over temptation. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one, two, and three. I want you to turn that once again, because truth is worth repeating. And th this is the only area we will repeat for the sake of time and we will thrust forward. But I just wanted to linger on this because it is so critical to the life of the Christian. First Corinthians uh, chapter three, verses one, two, and three. When you find it, say amen. 
And I, brethren, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, which was a very carnal, worldly church. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. Paul cussed to the chase and call it for what it really is in the life of those Corinthians. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not? The other word is again, the other word is again, carnal and behaving like mere men. In other words, God expects more out of us as we mature in Christ. But God won't get more. He will not get more out of us if we are acting like the world and if we are being carnal and if we are just spiritual babies. That's why we need to come and to grow up so we won't be whining and over things that we should have grown up from. A sure sign of carnality is when you struggle to do spiritual things, such as being more absent than present in church. You know, I asked last Sunday, when is the last time you came to church three consecutive Sundays on time? And people began to chuckle because that's reality. You know, I didn't say three consecutive months. I didn't say three consecutive years. I said three consecutive Sundays. And you find Christians struggling in those areas. And many people think they are spiritual and they're not as spiritual as they think they are. But when is the last time you've been in Sunday school? And, uh, and faithfully attend. All you Sunday school attenders, will you raise your hand? Let's just see your hands. Whoa, look at all the hands. Thank you so much. Sunday school is so vital. We're too quick to go home to do what? Do your thing. And uh, it's going to, and right, some of you, you said it well, nothing. And uh, I, I've said it this way. Blessed are they who hang around spiritual things. You know what Satan wants to do is rush you away from God's people, rush you away from God's house, rush you away from the very things that matters the most. You're at your job for eight hours. Huh? Children in school from eight to four, whatever it is, eight to three, two thirty. They're there a long time. And then we come to church and we think a little dab or do us. Listen, there's too much junk in you to just get a little dab and zap yourself on back home. You need to linger around the word of God. Let the word of God soak in you, penetrate in you, so that you can be purged and cleansed, so that you can be all that God is calling you to be. You know, so, so, and many don't come to Sunday school because they're carnal. They enter themselves. Uh, we had a wonderful uh, Bible prayer meeting time last, last Wednesday. It was just wonderful. Were you there? When is the last time you've been to a prayer meeting unless you're working or in school or, or something like that, a sick child? Uh, we're not talking about those instances. You know who you are. Uh, the Lord's Supper, we had a wonderful time with Beth Simka as uh, Rabbi Shapiro came and broke down the Passover and talked about the slaying of the firstborn and uh, the Egyptian experience and tying all that in, the blood on the doorposts and, and tying and looking at all the types and shadows of things to come and how we had communion right in the midst of the uh, of remembering the Passover experience with our Jewish messianic friends. That was a wonderful, rich Time of, of, of being carried back 4,000 years. Everybody don't worship like us. And we need to be able to appreciate diversity and realize people don't worship like Maranatha all over the world. People have their own styles and forms of worship that we need to learn to appreciate. Amen? 
When we give into temptation, we must own it rather than make excuses or blame others for what we did. We must confess it, repent of it, and ask God's forgiveness for it. Satan will use anything to tempt us. It is up to us to use the spiritual power within us to resist his desire to destroy us. Our sovereign God is our power source. When we faithfully avail ourselves to him, Satan cannot stand against the power and promises of God. Just because it's different does not mean it is wrong. And we spoke of uh, carnal Christians, they are in church for a long period of time and still struggle with tithing because they have not learned that everything belongs to God. And when you tithe, you are acknowledging that everything belongs to God. And if it's yours, you will keep it. If it's God's, you will give it. And many people can't give God what his rightfully is because it's yours. And dangerous, Jesus says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And so that's a dangerous thing. It's impossible to worship God and and rob God at the same time. And then we went on to say that uh, many attend church and they hop all over the place, but they don't connect or become a member of a church because they don't want the accountability. You know, they know Christ and they love Christ, but they, they fail to connect and be under the authority of the church so that they can be disciplined, rebuked, challenged, told, stepped on, grow up, use your gifts to invest in others and, and others using their gifts to invest back in you. That can't happen if you don't be yourself still in a membership at a particular Bible teaching church to the glory of God. Many hear the word, but fail to apply the word they hear. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word, lest you be deceived. And then others are carnal because they only worship God when it's convenient for them. And if there's an inconvenience in any kind of way, they fail to show up because it's really about them and not God. We also said last time, you know, you're carnal or a carnal person when you are a lover of excuses, a lover of noise, uh, sending and receiving unspiritual emails and text messages, loose tongues, saying whatever you want to say, habitual gossip, creator of confusion, choosing to live in perpetual, perpetual bitterness, habitual complainer, spirit of discontentment. Uh, you're doing a good thing, but your motives are impure. Selfishness, undermining the ministry and the authority of the church. All of those things are sure signs of carnality. You know you're carnal when you bleed the lie of Satan and help protect your children from pregnancies through safe sex rather than teaching them abstinence to trust God's word. Your weak faith causes your children to stumble and can possibly lead them into a lifetime of promiscuity of which you have become an accomplice, parents. The only safe sex is is abstinence. And we say it again, abstinence. Even Christians struggle with saying that word because you've been so victimized by the culture. Parents, make sure you tell your children to leave their cell phones at home. We dealt with that uh, in the car while at church. This 
they should learn from watching you leave your cell phones at home. Last time I said, uh, I said, let's just be candid and honest. All of you with the cell phone, I said, will you just take your cell phone out of your pockets, out of your uh, purses or wherever it is, and just hold it up and wave it up? And you should have seen it was a sea of cell phones all over the place. And even one lady held up two cell phones. And I looked at it and said, well, now, do you have two Bibles? And um, it's amazing how we even though it's off in church, it has become our security blanket and we don't even feel comfortable without it. We, we feel like a finger is missing or something and, uh, and as if we are that important, important. And, but you know what I really appreciate about this church? You were very candid and you were very honest and you were transparent because and, and when you're honest and when you're transparent, you know what? You get convicted. And you begin to grow up because you're honest and true to yourself. To thine own self, be true. Now, if you can't be true to yourself, you're not going to be true to anybody else. Huh? Oh, you're not going to be true with, to anybody else. And, uh, and, uh, and so let's, let's just have another object lesson. So you say, since we go, you say, what you going to do today, pastor? Well, I'm going to make sure you don't fall asleep. I know you, I know daylight saving times hit, so I got to keep you active. You know, got to keep you active. Uh, 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 let's, let's see how transparent you can be without lying in the house of God. Okay. You ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. Say, I'm ready. ready. Let's just be, if you have text in worship, would you raise your hand? If you have, if you, if you have ever text in worship, raise your hand and keep it up. Keep it up. Come on. Let's be honest. To that stuff be true. Come on. Come on. Let's raise them up. There they go. They're easing up. Come on. Come on. Raise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Raise them up. If you text in worship, raise your, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now let's give God a hand cup of praise for all that honesty. Praise God. That, you know, that's why it's not healthy for your children to bring cell phones. It is so easy to be over here talking to somebody over there and never say anything. You know, we, were, we was at my son's graduation at UTSA a number of years ago. And we saw the, the commencement speaker was speaking his heart out. And my wife and I was looking down and man, they were just going like this and they were going like this. And I thought that was just so disrespectful at a commencement exercise. My wife, we said, look at that. The man is talking, a paid speaker to come in of notoriety. And then people, they were all into themselves. They were all into themselves. Let me tell you something. If you're not careful, you will worship the God of technology. And it will have you and you don't even know it. And God has brought me here to arrest your attention, to challenge your thinking, because people do it at will. And they don't mean any harm. It's just that they're caught and don't know it. I'm talking about the battle over temptation. There is a temptation to text in church. Now, if you, and so it, 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 it grieves the heart of God when we can abstain and pull away, you know. I just love this, the, the atmosphere of this church. We can walk around the church and there are no cigarette butts all over the church. There's no ashtrays all over the church. You know, I don't want you to come to church and smoke me up. I sit next to you and I'm smelling like smoke. Huh? Yeah, that's 
right. I mean, won't y'all say amen? That ought to be getting close to God is about self-denial. Say self-denial. If any man come after me, he must first what? De- deny himself. You say you want to stop smoking? Why don't you start by not smoking around the church facility? And you say, well, pastor, we, we're doing okay. You are doing okay, but I'm talking to folk by television and radio, do. And some folks smoke on the way to church. And then you try to put that many in. That bit can't put that stuff out that quick. Mm-mm. Sometimes you're just messing it up. Just messing it up. <laughs> it's about self-denial. Uh, the, uh, telling your body appetites, your fleshly appetites, no, you can't have it. And the more you say no to your bodily appetites, the more control you'll be in control of your bodily appetites. If you give your body everything it wants when it wants it, it's going to be out of control and you're going to grieve the heart of God. All right. So that's for, that was a good review on carnality. Say Amen. All right, uh, next thing I'd like to say is that if you want to win the battle over temptation, only those who have intimacy with the Father will be able to stand and resist temptation. Only those who have intimacy, who who are close to God, will be able to to withstand and resist temptation. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8a says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you not know staying close to God keeps us safe? That's right. Staying close to God keeps us safe. Satan loves to pray, not P-R-A-Y. Satan don't do any praying like that. He P-R-A-E-Y. He loves to pray on backslidden, non-repentant saints who are estranged from God. Satan loves it when you begin to drift from God, when you begin to go more more days without reading the word of God, more days without praying. Because the further he can get uh, you away from God, the, the greater his opportunity of taking advantage of you. Satan wants to exploit you. And he does it by getting you to drift from the church he gets you, you get to disconnect you from the church, the fellowship of the church, the, the worship of the church, to dis- disconnect you from, 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 from his word, uh, from, 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 from prayer. And if he can get you out there and isolated, he does his best work on you and you'll find yourself yielding to temptation simply because you're not walking in intimacy with God. My friend, being close to God keeps us safe. Because the fact of the matter is, all of us have weak moments. And that, don't tell me you die. You are not strong 100% of the time. Huh? And, uh, but you know what? Even when I am weak, he is strong. How many of y'all know that's right? I mean, when you get weak, you got a God who's always strong. He's omnipotent. He's all, all, he's all powerful. And even in your moments of weakness, if you're holding on and you're close to God, you'll find yourself withstanding because you're in close proximity. Number three, the reason, the reason resisting temptation is so critical is because life is too short to be entangled, ensnared, and held captive by sin 
uh, are being in a lifetime of recovery because of the devastating uh, con- effects and consequences of sin. I repeat, the reason resisting temptation is so critical is because life is too short to be entangled, ensnared, and held captive by sin or being in a lifetime of recovery because of the devastating effects of sin. That's why we need to resist. Because should we fall? You know what? Some falling into temptation, sometimes you recover uh, a little bit sooner than others. But some folk, even to this day, they are still in recovery of some sin they've committed perhaps 15, 20 years ago. You see? And life is too short for you to stay in the recovery room. When, when, the, when, when, the, doctor, when the doctor does uh, surgery, he, he, then he, they will you into a recovery room. But do you stay in that recovery room for two years? No. You stand there until you they get your vital signs leveled out, until they can get you settled down, until your blood pressure, everything, when they know that everything is kind of calm and you're waking up and you, you begin to function like your body should, then they begin to transition you into a room and then hopefully on out of the hospital. The goal is not to keep you sick and to keep you in recovery, you know? And Satan wants you to be in a lifetime of recovery. Because if you are, if you are in recovery a lifetime for a lifetime, then you can be of no earthly kingdom good to those around you who need help. You can't help for because you are in habitual recovery. And that's why falling into sin is so dangerous. He wants you in perpetual recovery because as long as you are, are in recovery yourself, you can't help another person. You can't be a blessing to another person because your life is so weighed down with your own issues. Number four, it is absolutely impossible to have victory over temptation until you, A, allow God to strip you of bad company. Say bad company. Psalms 1-1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of of, of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Yeah, if you want to win the battle, you, you can be no better than the company you keep. It's not just children have bad company. Some adults have bad company. You see, defilement, bad company will defile you. Bad company will, call, will bring you into setbacks. Bad company will spiral you into spiritual regression. It will spiral you into addictions of drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. Bad company can cause you. A lot of folk are in jail right now because of bad company. That's right. Have it, being in the car with somebody that got some drugs in the car, even though it's not on you, it's in the car. And they take all you to jail. And some folk are in the grave because they surrounded themselves with bad company. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. Nothing catches Him by surprise. He is always ready, willing, and able to hear us, answer our prayers, and sustain us. When we call upon the Lord, Satan will flee, because he and his limited power can in no way stand in the presence of our power source. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org 
where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located directly at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.